What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Crossing Broadcast. I'm your host, Kyle Pagan, and the sky is falling in Philadelphia. People are calling for Hertz's job, comparing him to Carson Wentz. We've now lost three in a row when we had chance to take sole possession of the NFC East. The defense was cooked. More injuries occurring on the offensive line. Landon Dickerson today is the latest. We'll get into everything with Kevin Kincaid and later reporter from North Penn now, Keith Heffentrayer. Kevin, we'll bring you on right now. Looks good, Pagan. How you doing? And we want to bring Keith on? Yeah, I can bring him on right now. Introduce him. All right, cool. We have Keith Keith Heffentrayer from from North North Penn Penn now, now, local reporter from the North Penn area. Two Lansdale guys. Keith, are you a Lansdale guy? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I originally born in Allentown, but moved down here when I was a teen, and, you know, I've called it home since then. Oh, three Lansdale guys. We got we got Lansdale very well represented on this show. We always have uh, Pagan's a Lansdale Catholic guy. I live here now. He used to live here. So it's either a Temple guy or a Lansdale guy or or something like that. I have to tell the story, though, real quick about how, how Keith and I met because it's a pretty good one. Um, the, Keith's heard this story like 400 times by now, I'm sure. But uh, Pagan, do you remember the uh, story from a couple years ago where uh, the Methactin, like lacrosse coach, just punched a North Penn kid right in the head? Oh, yeah. He was wearing a helmet, though. It was a lacrosse kid. He was wearing a helmet. And this guy, he's like on crutches or something, comes over and punches the player right in the face. So I saw it on Action News, and, um, you know, we just aggregated it. Like, look at this crazy shit, you know, whatever. And um, then Keith hits me up, and he's like, hey, actually, they kind of stole that from us, you know, or didn't give us proper credit for it or whatever. And um, so I was like, oh, shit, let me just go, you know, let me go in there. I'll, you know, change it and give you guys credit and all that stuff. And then I was like, um, you know, yeah, I just moved out here, man. I work in sports. I work in media. So we should meet up sometime, you know. Um, yeah, this is it. Methacton superintendent apologizes after volunteer lacrosse coach, pu- coach punches opposing. <laughs> so, wow. so there's your editor's note right at the top there. But, yeah, then we just met up and we got to know each other. And now we're here talking about the Eagles on a uh, on a three-game losing streak. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. great time. Yeah. What a beautiful friendship. I love it. Keith. I'm not talking myself back into this team. I don't know why people are. I saw Kevin post the Colin Cowherd video. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it. People are saying that he's cooked, and I think the defense is cooked. James Bradbury's cooked. Shaq Leonard's cooked. He couldn't cover me in the open field. If the D-line can't create havoc, they have no answers on that side of the ball. The offensive scheme is vanilla. What are you thinking when you're watching on Monday night? How much are you? Are you a screamer? Are you kind of a guy that just takes it all in? What was it like? I tend, I, I tend to be more analytical. I'm not emotional when I watch, but uh, I, honestly, I thought the defense looked pretty decent through three quarters. I thought it looked okay, and um, I thought the rookies did good on uh, DK Metcalf. I mean, you've got to kind of balance everything on the fact that you're not really going against a good quarterback. But I mean, it collapsed in a way that's all too familiar. And no, I don't think there's anything to be positive about. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll be one and done. And uh, I, I think there's just a lot of questions heading into, you know, this last stretch of the season that I don't think there are very many good answers for. Kev, you're usually the rational one. How are you feeling? Um, how do I feel? I feel nothing. I feel absolutely nothing. Why? Um, how can you yeah. not feel uh, anything? I feel rage. I'm going to tell you why <laughs> I feel nothing. Hang on. Let me get the sweatshirt on. 
Um, the reason I feel nothing is because I don't think that that loss changed the way that I feel about the Eagles one way or another. Um, going into this game, now, now let me set, let me explain it, right? Going into this game, uh, I felt that they were second best or third best in the conference behind San Francisco and possibly Dallas. And I don't think that beating Drew Locke on the road was going to change that one way or another. If they had won that game, I'd still think they're second best and that they probably weren't going to get the number one seed, reclaim the number one seed, because I don't see a loss on San Francisco's schedule. You know, I don't see them losing to the Ravens at home. So it, so the loss didn't change anything in regards to like what, what my outlook was for, for the rest of the season. Even if they had won four in a row and gone into the playoffs as the number two seed, I would have felt the same same way, win or loss, you know? So I guess I wasn't uh, – to, to me, the end result didn't really – didn't really mean much. Now, if it had knocked them out of, if it had screwed with Dallas instead, then yeah, I'd feel a different way. But all they got to do is beat three, beat two crappy teams three times. Am I taking fucking crazy pills right now? Like, what do you want me to do? You want me to go jump off a bridge or something? No, 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 no not like, at all. Start cutting my wrists or something. I don't no, know. No, <laughs> but like, this team has so many negative things about it. They have so many holes, so many holes. That defense stinks. This well, offense because James, James Bradbury got cooked seven times on one drive. If that doesn't happen, Dude, did you watch? Did you watch Shaq Leonard try to try to tackle uh, Kenneth Walker in the yeah, open field? That was yeah, insane. Well, okay, Sidney Brown kind of got there and held him up. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he Brown? looks like he's cooked. Yeah, but I mean, so what do you? But what do you want me to do? I mean, do you? Uh, so do you want me to just not watch the game? The no, rest of the games. I'm what? not. That's what I'm not saying. But it's crazy to think about this team can't. Can't be, or this, it's it's crazy to think that this team won't struggle against the New York Giants. They can't score. They have Tommy DeVito since he's come in has they've scored they've averaged more points than you the watch game against the Saints. Did you watch the Giants play the Saints? It was very bad. I think Tommy DeVito's insanity run is over. I don't think anybody has much to worry about. With Dude, the, if this, with if this defensive yeah. line can't get home, this defense <laughs> has no answer. It's 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 the worst thing in the world. But I'm, I'm but going back to that Cowherd video, and he's he's so good because he just makes blanket statements and he doesn't like ever back anything up with data, and that's why he's wrong all the time. He's he's just but he's very intellectual and he's very he, he's easy to grasp. He's perfect for like the TikTok generation because you put a minute thirty clip out there and you're like. <laughs> this guy's pretty good. This kind of convincing me to this thing. But he was like, Lions, Philadelphia. I'm taking Philadelphia. Jameer Gibbs will run all over this team. Dan Campbell will have these guys ready to go. I know we were last year being like, we're not losing to fucking Jared Goff. This year, we could easily lose to Jared Goff. I'll back you up on that because up until this game on Monday night, I would agree with Kevin that they were still the third best, maybe second best. But after that, and just not really putting up a fight and all the flaws exposed, I mean, I think they might have their hands full with Detroit. Detroit's clicking. They've been blowing some teams out this year. They've had some good victories against some good teams. So I don't know. I mean, it could it could very well be that the Eagles are the fourth, maybe fifth in, in, in the NFC. I see. Here's the thing. I'm kind of disappointed in Pagan because I don't. I, I he sounds like a WIP caller right now. Oh, no, a WIP caller would be calling for Carson Wentz right now, or they'd fall asleep on the while calling the the morning show and start snor, start snoring. Um, but I don't know. Like, what what do you so so so? How am I supposed? You tell me how I'm supposed to act. I'm sitting there. Christmas. We did Christmas with the kids in the morning. 
we go to my mother-in-law's house we're sitting there i'm probably gonna have a computer pulled up like a dickhead i'm gonna be watching the giants game what am i supposed to do am i supposed to just feel despair and and emptiness no. or, or like because i don't think because they lost three games in a row like what if they turn it around what if like something clicks miraculously and then you, you know how it is man all it takes like one win two wins and then people are going to talk themselves to being back on board and then they're going to go in as the two seed and they're going to be like well we're the underdog and we're going to spin the whole underdog thing again so i don't i don't get like what do you, what am i supposed to do how am so I anyone that listens to the show, anyone that reads you on the site knows that you're probably the most optimistic, not optimistic, but pragmatic person, I would say, in Philadelphia sports media. You see you're the two things can be true guy. You see it one way, but you also see it the other way. Like that's your that's your stuff. And you're and you're really good at that. I really don't think you should feel any type of way. I just know you know ball. And I feel like right now you're just not giving me the Kevin Kincaid knowledgeable guy who knows ball and knows that this defense is absolutely we can talk ball. You want to talk ball? You want to go? Can we always start macro and then we go micro? So we want to talk. We want to talk about James Bradbury being cooked. Keith talked about. Keith alluded to what I thought was the biggest problem when he was when he made his first comments on here. Where did we hear anything negative about Keely Ringo the other night? No. Do we hear anything negative about Eli Ricks? No. Oh, it was James Bradbury getting cooked? Right. Even so, even Sidney Brown with the missed tackles. Was still balling. He was still playing really hard. He was still getting there. Yeah, brings that in a bit. That kid's got a lot of potential. No man, he's got athleticism. He, I play. You're talking about Kyle with Leonard, where Leonard looked like he was stuck in molasses. Sidney Brown got there, and you know, and some people were saying, "Oh, he should have made that tackle or whatever." Now he slowed him up, and like the linebacker comes in, he should clean it up. But um, you you take away that to me. That's the, the the concern is like individual. Stuff. I don't think as a team collectively they played some horrible game, right? Jalen Hurts is under the weather. The defense holds it back up to 13 points initially. Then the guy who was getting cooked was just one singular guy over and over. Now, I don't know why Matt Patricia feels the need to – here's the problem that I have with Matt Patricia because you can sit there and you can talk about that last play and the last, se- the last sequence of plays in, in particular. Why are you going to have Sidney Brown come down and take the running back and disguise that coverage and leave James Bradbury one-on-one? In theory, you should say Bradbury is your $38 million guy. He's the best corner you have out there. You feel comfortable leaving him out on an island. But anybody who was watching that game knew that he was struggling the entire game. It wasn't just that. So does the defensive coordinator, some or Sean Desai sitting up there with an iPad now, does somebody relay that down to him and say, hey, maybe, you know, just sit here and cover two and just keep him out of the end zone? Right. But but I don't I don't look I looked at all that again. And like I kind of like rewatch snippets of the game. I see all the all 22 stuff that people are doing. And like I think the offense is a bigger problem than the defense right now. How many offensive touchdowns? I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up while you guys kind of vamp or something like how many offensive touchdowns have been scored by this team in the last however many games? Keith, I'll, I'll give it I'll give it over to you because I'm a great host and you're our guest. <laughs> what do you think about the offense right now? Uh, I, I mean, the first two drives looked really good. You had that um, the Kelsey penalty, which you know I still think it's BS, but it's so ticky tack bullshit football. But they they had good momentum. They had um, they had a really good flow to their play calling. They were doing screens and running, and it, then they just revert to that bombing down the field. And I, I just I don't get it. You know, everyone wants to talk about missing receivers and Smith being wide open, and you know the, it's true, but. If his number one read is his number one read and he's running, you know, a post down the sideline, you're going to have that. And I just don't know why those calls are being called in. Like those plays just don't make sense. And it's really disruptive. So to his point, because you wanted ball. So I'm going to give you ball. 
So Keith's talking about them, you know, always looking downfield. And we've talked on this this show before about how, like, when you're watching, like, just on the regular camera angle, like, during a game, it looks like there's no there's no receiver on even on the screen, right? It's like you have to go to the All-22 to find where the nearest receiver was. But on that first drive, they had – and on the second drive, too, a couple just, like, over the middle, Dallas Goddard sitting down in the zone, right? A throw, <laughs> throw over the middle, just move the chains or whatever. We all know, new coming into it, that Seattle was playing a lot of zone. There are going to be soft spots around the linebackers. Bobby Wagner, great player, always has been, not in his prime right now. So that was something that we all thought they could do a little bit more of. Dallas Goddard's there, just have him go 10 yards, sit on the sticks, just dump it off to him. You know, And then you get to like situations where the play, like A.J. Brown comes out on Twitter and he says – you know, everybody yelling about this play where Devontae Smith was open underneath. I was the first read on a shot play there. Okay, well, I, you know, why are you throwing a shot play on third and eight? You know, mm-hmm. to me, like the biggest question that anybody should be asking is, is it more about Nick Sirianni's scheme and designs or is it about Brian Johnson calling the plays within that scheme, right? Like, because to me, that's really what they've already litigated the defensive coordinator thing. Yeah, I mean, Desai was sent up into the box to do whatever he's doing. But Sirianni is the one, presumably, we think, who designed all these, like, you know, here's like three go routes or intermediate routes and nothing underneath. So, and and then maybe the case of Jalen's just, Jalen's just addicted to the deep ball. He's got to throw for Quez Watkins in the end zone when you're removing the ball. And, you, you know, it's just like, it's just situational stuff. That, you know what I mean, Keith? It's like, you don't have to, like, we see examples early in the game, like that first drive where they, like, kind of scripted out or whatever. And they're moving the ball. And then it's like that stuff. Dis- Why does that stuff disappear? Why is that only in the first 15 plays? Their first 15 are, have been good. They're always good, been like, good for three straight games. Yeah. Yeah. And they're three that, straight losses. But after that, after that scripted play set, they look more like the 2021 offense when Sirianni was calling it and less like last year. And it, it, it just falls off a cliff and it could just be, he's not really good at establishing, you know, in-game play flow. But, I mean, whatever's happening, it's right after those scripted plays because, to your point, they do look good when they come out in, you know, recent games, and then they just completely fall apart. Kyle, who is the guy? Do we know what offensive person is sitting in the booth, like, talking to Brian Johnson, or is there no person? Because isn't there somebody – is it Brian Johnson or Nick Sierra? Somebody saying, like, yo, this play worked really well in the first series, you know? And there was, like, a little bit of motion. Did you see, like, that pre-snap motion on the first drive? There's guys actually moving. It wasn't a lot. I mean, they're moving, like, three feet or two feet or whatever. But when, they, when they're, when they like, uh, when they're static all the time, it jumped out at me. I was like, oh, there's something there, you know? But I don't know why they get away from that. Um, and then they throw, like, those perimeter screens, the bubble screens, and make me want to pull, pull my hair out. Um, but but somebody's got to be like relaying that information to them saying like, yeah, this is what we did that worked with the first like two drives or whatever. And then it's like they revert to Jalen Hurts hero ball, third and medium quarterback run, <laughs> quarterback draw. And it's like the, the clip that you I don't know, Kyle, if there's any more clip that we've posted on Twitter that's that's blown up like the Christian McCaffrey thing <laughs> that you put up there the other day, you know, with him saying, all right, this is going to be a quarterback run because the tight end is like offset off the line here, you know, so. I didn't think too much of that because it's like if if I'm not too worried about Christian McCaffrey identifying the Eagles offense because all of us can sit there and look at that and probably know what's coming anyway. I know, but he caught it right down to the T, even to the tight end pool a little bit. It was kind of crazy how how easy. And according to uh, we were talking, to, I was talking to Maestro in the Slack, and he was like, he did it three times on his, his entire Manning cast thing. Like he called like three different plays. The only one that got clipped was was one of them, but um, I couldn't yeah. go back and check to see if that was. 
real or not. Um, I'm just I'm I'm so lost as an Eagles fan right now. Like I'm a sad boy. I'm a sad man right now. Like I I I wanted this team. They started ten and one, and I thought they were good. They were world beaters. They went to the they went to Kansas City, beat up on Kansas City, and it's just like. The, the sky is legitimately – I'm okay with the sky falling right now. When we lost to Cowboys and, and, and the 49ers, whatever. Two great – two good teams this year, one great team this year. Like, their losses happen. You can't lose to Drew Locke on Monday Night Football. I don't care Jalen flu game or Jalen not flu game. Like, 92 yards, game-winning drive for Drew Locke. Drew fucking Locke. Like that's who we're talking about. Well, and it wasn't like he was exactly like he was slicing and dicing on that too. There were a couple where he just like I had no idea where he was throwing there. He was out in front of somebody, and there was the the play for DK where he kind of like wedged it in his arm and kept it up. But I don't know, Keith. Here's a question for you: When they were winning these games, close games, you know, kind of like hanging on by a thread or making plays late or whatever, was your was your attitude like? Just wish find a way to win. Nothing, you know, nothing to worry about. Or were you like halfway through the season saying, "Yo, there's some shit. This is like not sustainable." You know, like they got to figure something out here. Uh, more of the latter. I mean, I wasn't like total Negadelphian, but um, you know, a, a win is a win, and you know there is some merit to that. But at the same time, I mean, you know, they they look more like the Vikings last year, where like the Vikings yeah. had eleven close wins, one score victories. No one thought they were really good, and then they got trounced in the playoffs. And, you know, th- there's a lot of data. I don't have it on hand, but, like, there's a lot of data about teams that have, you know, a very low, um, what do you want to call it, like margin of victory over the season and how they perform in the playoffs. And you look at teams that don't have any, you know, like uh, blowout wins. You know, that's a big metric where teams that win in the playoffs typically have, you know, six, seven blowout wins over the season. And I, I started to feel even a 10 and one that it was just completely unsustainable because they didn't look like a 10 and one team. And, you know, they seem like they really were winning some games more by the mistakes of their opponents. And, you know, that doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence. But I do think they're better than they're playing now. I think their offense has a ton of talent on it. I think it, it really comes down to coaching and, you know, them handling adversity. And they've handled adversity terribly. If the reports <laughs> that are coming out of like Tim McManus and stuff saying guys are pointing fingers, you know, guys aren't accountable. Jalen comes out and says there's uh, the commitment on this team isn't good. I thought that was really eye opening. He's typically not a guy that'll uh, that'll do that kind of stuff, especially in the press conferences. Who writes that article? Just Joe Santaloquito get back in and, uh, and write that article, Kev, about uh, the inside sources are saying Jalen Hurts lost the locker room. It's well, isn't it just much more interesting when they lose too? I mean, the so last- much, you're exactly right. It I is know. so much more interesting when they lose. It's 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 so funny. And I don't know if this is a media thing, but I know Sealski and he he wrote an article today about Nick Sirianni's arrogance, and you could just tell he wrote it with a shit eating grin on his face. It just it just <laughs> like it people were ready to like unload. Like it was like kind of yeah. like in there. people yeah. were ready to get all over Nick Sirianni. They were ready to get all over this team. It's kind of like. I, I I don't want to say the media in this town, besides my man Keith over there, uh, like wants the Eagles to 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 lose. I don't think they want the Eagles to lose, but I think they want them to have their ups and downs, so it makes their job easier. Does that make sense? It's not it it it, it 
it wasn't fun, I would say, for them last year to cover a 13 and four, 14 and three. I forget what they went team. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a juggernaut who was beating the piss out of everybody. Yeah. And they were winning. And it was, you know, sexy Batman, skinny Batman, all that stuff. You know, the guys were gelling and everything. Mama Kelsey, Kelsey Bowl. Like, it was a lot of, like, puff pieces, happy pieces, all this stuff. This is the shit that puts asses in seats. This is the shit that sells newspapers. The we, negative stuff. The, the negative stuff works for them. Yeah, because we're, like, you because we're, you know, fan blog, like, don't really do super yeah. serious stuff all the time. So any, like, little viral thing of, like, Jason Kelsey says it's positive – we can throw it up there, you know. We can run, with, we can, we can like kind of morph into fanboy kind of thing if we have to, you know. But that doesn't like nobody's, nobody's like reading the, nobody's subscribing to the Philadelphia Inquirer to go, you know, read about all of how great the Eagles are playing right now. It's mm-hmm. like we, we know, you know, it's like, you know, when you get to ask harder questions and when you get to press people on like, why are you doing this? Why do you do that? The last three weeks of like transcripts that have hit my inbox and, you know, coordinator interviews and whatnot, those have, those have been like the most, interesting and exciting answers that we've gotten in forever you got jalen hurts coming out talking about commitment you know and like he and jalen hurts notoriously never gives anybody anything he also said you know as the leader of this team and anytime i hear that that's such a big red flag like i heard uh mcnab say it back in the day and if you're really leading you don't have to remind people that you're leading you don't have to reestablish and reaffirm that you're a leader and i think he's a really good leader I think this is the first time he's really in this situation and hearing that just kind of disappointed me that like, you don't have to say that, just tell him you're going to get it right. Tell him you're going to work, you know, do what he's been doing. But, you know, hearing him say as the leader, it just, it it drives me nuts. So are you usually okay with the canned Shakespearean Instagram quote answers that he delivers on the, on the podium? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it it doesn't make, you know, for entertainment for you guys, but as far as his role on the team, uh, you know, he's out there in front. I mean, I think and like Andy Reid was a master of it. I would go up there every week and say absolutely nothing. He was the worst interview, but I guarantee you his players and staff loved it because it took all the heat off them while giving them nothing. But then going up there and saying, you know, that people aren't committed and reinforcing that he's the leader. It sounds like things are actually might actually be pretty bad in that locker room. And, you know, I, I would hope that he would just kind of get in front of that and not reinforce it further well it stands out more because like i was saying he doesn't say anything ever you know mm-hmm. and, and fans love that fans read i mean how i mean you know kyle whenever like jalen does some kind of like where are we getting at with this question or you know like where are we going here i mean like when he shuts down a reporter i mean the fans gobble that shit up you're like love that shit. Fuck, fuck the media you know fake news media you know he's jalen focused you know and like all of a sudden like i kind of roll my eyes a little bit because sometimes he just doesn't I think sometimes he doesn't understand the questions or he thinks that stuff is com- combative when it's really not. But yeah, I mean, to that point, it's like, okay, well, Jalen, Jalen says something, then it's, you're curious, you know, cause that never comes out from him, you know, but it's like interesting too. Cause I don't, I don't know how much of the, then you come into all these like questions that we can't answer Keith about like leader leadership, you know, it's like, what does a good leader look like? I don't know what he says behind the scenes in the locker room. I mean, maybe he's really communicative and maybe like, they talk it over. Maybe he's good there. But like when I look over on the sidelines in the middle of the game, he's just sitting there by himself. You know, you know I, I, and I was talking about that because like context matters there where when they're winning or they're down a score and about to take the field, it hurts his laser focus. Look at his leadership. But if they just getting blown out by the Cowboys or losing to Seattle and he's making the exact same face, it's hurts his pouting hurts. Doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Hurts is alone. 
He's just and, sitting there. Uh, like, why isn't he like? To, why isn't uh, he grabbing like AJ Brown or Devontae Smith? Yeah. Because like, Tom Brady would have been walking up at the sideline yelling at everybody. Into, I, yeah, but, I but, I mean, but Tom Brady was allowed to do that because he had six Super Bowls. He's he's allowed to get in his offensive coordinator's face. He's allowed to yell at Julian Edelman. He's allowed to yell at Wes Welker in his line. Yeah, but Hurts is a franchise quarterback. I mean, do you have to have X amount of years logged before you're allowed have to we, start telling people have, what to do? They, him and AJ Brown probably had the most gracious disagreement we've ever seen on a on a sideline, and we got people tweeting like, "Well, we got to get a hold of the AJ Brown situation or something." It's such, it's such. This this city turns on their quarterbacks so fast. I know they will. Now we have the midday show for WIP being like, "Is Jalen Hurts on Wentz watch?" If you compare Jalen Hurts to Zitnek, you are a bona fide fucking loser. Everyone hates you. Your family hates you. Your kids hate you. We're talking about a guy in year three who's 10 and four. Carson Wentz was five and six on his way out. The writing was on the wall. Everyone hated his guts. We don't deserve winners in this city if we're questioning Jalen Hurts and comparing him to fucking Zitnek. Well, I, 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 let's, let's be clear here. Let's be clear here. Pagan hates Carson Wentz more than like anything on the planet. So he's always going to be a little amped when talking about uh, Zitnik, you know. Um, but yes, it is ridiculous to go there. I do think that they're going to turn on Jalen Hurts much quicker than they turn on anybody else, especially the media, especially like, you know, the, a lot of the media probably biting their, their tongue over the fact that like he's combative with them and he doesn't, they, they don't like he doesn't like the media. Yeah. So. I mean, those stories will start come coming out. I mean, you'll see stuff like, like what Mike wrote. That'll be effusive, you know. Why? Why do that though? Why try to, for lack of a better word, chase a franchise quarterback out of town or get the people to turn on him? It makes it's not their job. They're to be. They're just journalists, man. They're not. They're, they don't. They don't have a stance. They're just. You know. I mean, that's oh, that old school. Like everyone you know, has I mean, a stance. I, Even the most unbiased media. My man Keith writes for North Penn now. The leading, my favorite publication in Lansdale. I can't wait to get home. And you think he's biased? Up. Do you think Keith shows favoritism to like the the Wawa in the Lansdale? He better show favoritism to no. Lansdale Catholic over North Penn. Get out of here. That's Joe Judge. No way. He's not a good representative of this powerhouse area. <laughs> Do not put Joe Judge on us, all right? No not the, I'm sorry that, that Joe Judge went that was no, one of my favorite bits on the site. Was Joe Judge is a disgrace to the to the borough of Lansdale. I kind of wish I could still do that, but I can't. I can't. I'm that. a North Penn now guy over the reporter through and through. Don't get me yeah. wrong, baby. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but so, so I, I, I mean, no, I mean, like every journalist, obviously, you're going to audit your biases and you're going to do all that stuff. But every journalist has their own thoughts on what they're covering, and I think you are right that some people might have a bad taste in their mouth for the way he handles the media. And yeah, they might personally enjoy seeing him, you know, fall, even if they're not actively or willingly contributing to it. And I think it's sad because I do think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a franchise quarterback. Um, I think he's just a good all around person and making comparisons to Wentz or wanting to see this guy fail. Like people are going to, players are going to have a bad year. It's just the nature of the ebb and flow of the league. And it sucks. It sucks to watch him play poorly when you know he could play better. But to want to run him out of out of the city is just bonkers to me. I just don't get that. Yeah, I just my only thing with like the media thing is like, you know, I hear from fans. It's like, you know, why are you, you know, 
trying to like run this guy out of town or something i don't like there's no like big collusion to you know influence anything one way or another i mean people have their individual biases and you know maybe somebody got burned by a player in the past or you know they think that guy's an asshole or something maybe they do see something in in that guy not being successful but there's no like bigger large sweeping movement to like use media influence to you know make people feel a certain way and have an end result to it. I mean, like there's no like, well, we got to, you know, trying to get Jalen hurts out of, out of town or something. I don't, I think that's fake, a fake thing that fans. No, that's definitely a fake thing, but like these people's words, like they, they carry weight to these other people. Like people do look up to these, these writers at the inky or the athletic or these guys on YouTube who are breaking down, you know, Eagle stuff. Maybe even people listen to us and they're like, wow, those guys had a good point. Maybe we can influence some people. I think Ford's pretty influenced by me. Um, and that's what kind of happens. Like, I think these guys, you could still influence the narrative and you could still like, because, because it's like a state secret in the, in Novacare, like n- nothing gets out of Novacare unless like they wanted to get out of Novacare. And I feel like, I feel like, you know, we only have a couple of different guys in this city. You could probably count on one hand who can, who can, uh, who can write that kind of stuff, the inside stuff of what's going on and everything. And that, and that really, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Kev, you got a good point because it's like the Joe Santa Liquido article going back to Carson Wentz. That gets written. Everybody's jumping down Santa Liquido's throat, saying his sources suck. Perfect example. And, yeah. death threats. Yeah. and then Carson Wentz starts losing. And guess who was right the entire time? It looks like Joe Santa Liquido. So that's yeah. the thing where, like, I kind of, I mean, obviously, I'm more of a fan than a journalist than anything. So when I see a, 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 a piece from Sealski or I see a piece from Hayes that are criticizing, you know, Nick Sirianni, who's like, you know, one of the one of the most winningest coaches in 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 Eagles history to start his uh, his career. Jalen Hurts, one of the most winningest quarterbacks in Eagles history to start his career. Like, I just, I I'm I'm a middleman guy. I like to hang in the middle. And then you know what? Down the line, I'll make my uh, I'll make my thoughts. Right now, I think I'm hanging into more of the uh, skies falling territory. But I'm not out on Jalen Hurts. Like you can't be if you're out on Jalen Hurts. Like I said, you're a crazy person and you don't deserve any happiness or winning in your life as a sports fan. <laughs> I, I just want to say too, the chat is having fun with Keith. They're saying that he looks like he could be the bouncer at the tavern on welcome to Wrexham. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Keith, Keith, you, you got any bouncing back in your, uh, back in your day? Uh, yeah. Yeah. After I left the army, I did do bouncing for a bit. Oh, army guy. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's somebody who I Ford must have looked up his uh, background because he, uh, yeah, he he gave him credit for his uh, service and said, "I'm not fucking with Keith here at all." Yeah, so. usually four right. jumps in the comments and just he's just uh, he's a dickhead, but he's our dickhead and we love him. So uh, <laughs> the guests usually he just goes right after him. But you, he saw you and he saw that you could probably track him down and within 15 seconds using your army expertise. So he kind of just uh, <laughs> stayed away from you, Keith. Well, before you. um b- before we let you go, man, you got are there any crazy crazy stories you've had? There was a naked guy at Wawa recently. There was the guy who broke into there's a guy who broke into adult world and ate like the cheesecake or something. Is there any crazy like Monco crime go, going on that we need to know about right now? Not a whole lot. Um a, a woman pepper sprayed her neighbor and a dog in Telford. Did she deserve it? It didn't sound like it. It sounded like she was just walking and the neighbor didn't like her, and apparently the neighbor had hit her dog and the kid. Oh. Like the week prior with the cane. So no, it's actually been pretty quiet aside from the naked Wawa guy who is not a fan of me or you guys. So no, <laughs> but Wait, he's, he's upset for you reporting the news. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, 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 he was he was very very upset. And uh, I well, one thing I would upset. say is don't get naked and go into a Wawa. But that's just me. That's kind of what my response was. Like, I, you know, I feel for the guy. We've all been drunk and done stuff like that. But like, I mean, I, well, I mean, not stuff like that. But we've done dumb stuff. But you know, I, I've never gotten naked and gone into a Wawa. And I mean, if I did, I wouldn't blame someone for writing about it because you know that's a pretty public incident. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it does get, it does, it's it's all public information. That's what we always say. It's, yeah. it's just not, it's, it's us just, I guess, bringing light to it. But you know what? You can go right on a website and be like, naked guy, wah, wah, here's your first name. And yeah. It's funny because I Googled it after, and there was like a litany of naked wah, wah people like, just all over. So, but, but how many were in Florida versus Pennsylvania doing that? There was a couple in Florida, in, in yeah. the Philadelphia area. <laughs> yeah i don't know well we've all been there before you know yeah this was the crime update telements in township please filed charges against a lansdale man after he allegedly drove to the wawa at 40 foot in welsh roads under the influence of alcohol and then stripped off all his clothes while being confronted by police they turned toward police said he was a u.s citizen and was being harassed and then he removed his hat shirt shorts and underwear the report states i mean listen Love man. the randy marsh stuff uh, the Randy Marsh, I had to get the Randy Marsh clip in there. My 21st birthday in Morgantown, West Virginia, I drank way too much, passed out face down on the sidewalk. And yeah, I thought this was America, right? <laughs> passed out on the sidewalk. And then one of my, uh, um, somebody who lived in the dorms with me, picked me up and uh, told the cops that they were going to drag me home. So thank you to Amy for doing that. But yeah, I mean, we've all been there before. So, I, you know, sometimes it gets reported. Sometimes it does and life goes on never anything personal from any, anybody in the yeah. media we just were doing our job you know what i mean like you know it's, yeah, you're trying to run that that guy out of town <laughs> no, That's no I, he seemed like a really nice guy and uh, you know i've talked to him a couple times and uh, you know i told him things would pass and then obviously you guys just brought it back up but uh you know he, he seemed like a nice guy who, ha who had a rough day I, i'm sure nothing's gonna come of it the guy's gonna you know plead out get something small and life will go on for him and everyone else and the good thing is when you search naked man in Wawa, there's hits on everything. So like, how is everyone going to disseminate who it was? You know, after yeah, five yeah. Years, that guy's going to be the team. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, if he wants to come on and talk birds one of these days, we'll have to get him on the show. Maybe. You know? would, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know, Keith, before I let you go, man, I, I don't know. Like final thought, like, what do you think? The, so what do you think the Eagles do for the rest of the year? Um, I, a part of me thinks they might lose one of the Giants games, but I really don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to win those three, head into the playoffs, and then probably get trounced by whoever they play. I hope that, you know, they can kind of build momentum on these three games and kind of, re you know, recenter and find their groove and, you know, regain their identity because they do have a lot of talent. And those coaches and every everyone there is capable of being a top-tier team. They're just not doing it. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, it could just you know, listen if they make the playoffs and get trounced, they still made the playoffs. You know, it's still something to build on. There's next year. But I, I think there's a, a chance that they could kind of put it all together. I just don't have a ton of faith in that right now. Well, listen, if they lose against the Giants, you know, the story. Yeah, and then, then yeah, and then Pagan Pagan jumps off the bridge or whatever. Then the North Penn now story is Lansdale Catholic alumnus. Yes, please uh, please give it to them first, Kev. If I jump off the bridge, please have North Penn now break it. Okay. Make sure if the inquirer breaks it, Kev, 
If the Inquirer breaks it, Kev, I'm going to come back and I'm going to haunt you and your children okay. and your beautiful wife. Okay. So if you, yeah, if you if you depart this world because the Eagles lost to the Giants and you're already on the edge, I'll make sure that that Keith is aware first, and we'll you make sure he gets. Revered. Yeah, he'll do a good job. He'll give you the exclusive obituary. Thank you. Average okay. nine points per game, senior year, all Catholic honorable mention. Make sure you put that in the uh, obituary, please. Well, you are in the Landville area alum, along with Latimer from the program. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of us. Yeah, I should have taken steroids. Honestly, probably would have averaged ten points, double digits, baby. Maybe would have been third team all Catholic. Yeah. Uh, well, Keith, thanks, man. We really appreciate. It. Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks for having me. Talk to you. All right, bye. I'll see you, man. Keith, big guy, big guy, big, 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 big boy, Keith. Yeah, Keith's great, man. I, yeah, we got to know each other when I moved out here, and um, you know, see him every so often. You know, North Penn now is a good site, man. Hyper local. They're doing real news. We just throw goofy blog posts up on the site, and they do real news. You know, they go there. Um, yeah, yeah. A couple more on the Seattle game. That's Seattle staffer, actually a player. With the caveat of he wasn't involved in the game because <laughs> he was on the practice squad. So, so yeah. as. As you grow up, I, I'm, I'm I'm 30 now, so I'm starting to kind of realize this more and more as I go through life. You like realize that like everything is kind of bullshit and nobody really knows what they're doing. Like they they were all just like waking up every day and being like, holy shit, what's the world going to throw at me today? All right, cool. If you lead companies, you don't know what's going on. If you're middle management, you don't know what's going on. But like nobody knows what they're doing. And that's the NFL in my mind with every time they respond to something because they send these memos out and they send these memos out saying that only the players and the coaches are allowed to intervene in fights. But now we have inactive practice squad players throwing unprovoked shoulders into a star wide receivers chest, but it's not illegal because the guy happens to suit up from Monday through Friday on the practice squad. What kind of precedent is that? Like, at least like the big Dom stuff, at least he has like a, a drawn out job on the sidelines. Should he be as close to the field? Probably not. But like, at least he has a role on those days. Like, why is there inactive practice squad players on the sidelines? That makes zero sense to me. Um, That is the question. And I think there is no legitimate answer to it i don't think anybody in can anybody in the chat come up with a reason as for why an inactive player should even be on the field to begin with i think you said it to me in the chat originally it was like there's just too many too many people down there like how many people on the sidelines do you think really have to be down there you know well this is what i wrote i mean this was influenced by pagan because he when we were talking about okay this story is out there who's going to do it i think you first suggested there's too many people down there so i agreed with that and i wrote i think the lesson we've learned is that there are too many people on the sidelines to begin with 75 plus players coaches medical staff chain gang howard fucking eskin they really should streamline this in the off season if you're not involved in the game you can't be on the sidelines only security personnel and even then even then don has to follow the rules and not overstep his boundaries um, and Joey Hunt can go pound sand. You know, it's like, the, it's funny, man, because like um, the running joke was like when the when I was covering the union, you know, you had 11 guys who were on, 
the field. You had seven guys who could sit on your bench. And then the others weren't allowed to be down there at all. So they were always spotted in the luxury box. They put them in like the owner's box and they would be eating like shrimp cocktail and, you know, whatever. Right. So why, so what, why do they, they, these guys don't have to, don't have to be down there. Plus how many times have they like run, run into guys or like, you know, there's always gotta be somebody pulling somebody back from the sidelines or whatever. I mean, there's just too, it's too much of a, too much of a shit show down there to, to begin with. I would, I'm interested. I'm curious. Is there any reason why, who's on the Eagles practice squad? Brett Toth. Is there any reason yeah. why he would have to be on the, on the sidelines? Why? Cause he's part of the team too. And they want them all down there watching. Is it a team thing? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I can't think of a reason. It makes zero sense. And that's the funny thing. Like halfway through the game, there was like a penalty called and they showed like, they zoomed in like Nick Sirianni, they zoomed in on a player. Howard Eskin was like right behind the guys, like right behind, like, like it looked like he was like in the bench area. I was like, why the hell is the sideline reporter in the bench area? It makes no sense. Why now? I, yeah. Um, or- they should just hire goons, John, ha- John Chaney style. They should just employ goons on the practice squad that their main goal for the next three games is to get Saquon Barkley tossed, is to get Kyler Murray tossed, is to get anybody in the playoffs, whoever they play, get Jameer Gibbs tossed or whoever. Like, just have goons just be in the uh, in the practice squad, put them on the sidelines, and anybody that comes in the sidelines, get in their fucking face. Give them an unprovoked shoulder because it's okay, according to the NFL. According to the NFL, if, if a player and an inactive practice squad player get in a fight, and the practice squad player takes the guy's helmet and starts beating his face in, blooding him up, have matter leaking out of his ears. Big Dom can't step in because that'd be uh, that'd be a penalty and an ejection, and you'd be up in the uh, the suite protecting Howie Rosen for the rest of the year. It makes no sense. The NFL, I hate the NFL. I remember the name of the goon. Uh, for, yeah, it was Nehemiah Ingram. Was allegedly, the- Kev, can we throw an allegedly in there, please? That was allegedly his name. No, no. Allegedly, he was a goon. Oh, um, I mean, I think that's been litigated. And he was the third center. <laughs> is this some temple bull? Is this some pro temple bullshit? Like, oh, I think he was a walk on potentially. Worked really hard to get there in that position. Here, I'll type it. And out. Dwayne Lee, I think, who it was, or some guy on St. Joe's. He just he just walked into the lane, and he, you know, no blood, no foul, in my opinion. Well, who's going to do the 30 for 30 on Nehemiah Ingram? Like now he's remembered for the rest of his life as the goon, right? I mean, maybe he's like a successful, uh, you know, family man with a good job or, or something. Can we get an update on Nehemiah Ingram? Good luck spelling that. Google Nehemiah. Well, I just typed it into the chat there for everybody. Um, We should get an update on We should get Nehemiah Ingram on the show. You get the goon joining us now is the temple goon. You know, There's him a lot of people temple that goon. I need on this show. The guy who got tasered uh, at the at the Phillies game for back in the day, David Dodge. I would love. I would love to find the popcorn guy who spilled popcorn on Russell uh, Russell uh, Westbrook's head. Yeah. Uh, Nehemiah Ingram would be a great one. The horse shit um, eater at the uh, horse shit eater yeah. who doesn't want to be named. We can finish the work that Brian the Brian Hickey started trying to. <laughs> There, there are. I mean, we got the, uh, we we got the runner. We got the the Philadelphia Phillies runner during the playoffs. On, that was great. Yeah, um, you, there's a lot of guys. Some, yeah, some of your best work was hooking up the. Uh, oh, here. Okay, you. Ne- Nehemiah Ingram is a probation officer at the Department of Community Supervision in Milledgeville, Milledgeville Georgia. Georgia. Okay, Milledgeville, Georgia is in the absolute middle of nowhere it's like halfway between uh like macon and augusta okay so he he went from a goon 
to a probation officer and i say that's a fucking successful story if you ask me <laughs> bettering yourself beating up goons well keeping goons in line you have to have some phys- physicality to be able to do that job. Well, how did he end up in Millage? Is he from, maybe he's from Georgia. I don't know. Was John Cheney going down to uh, Georgia to re- recruit guys down there? Not, well, I guess so. That's your Nahima Maya up. Uh, what was it? Nahima Maya. Nahima Maya. <laughs> Ingram update. That's your Nahima Maya Ingram update. Nahima Maya. Uh, well, we should ask the chat too who they want to have on. I mean, we have some people we're interested in. You know, booking guests is a fucking bitch, though. I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, we'd be honest with everybody. It is the the most annoying part of doing this. It's just like you know, logistics. Oh, they all like half the show is logistics. You know, and it's like, oh yeah, here we are. Now we got to talk about something. But uh, I, you know, after Joe Cord- Joe Cordell took me five years to book, so that was, so he was the white whale, and. Uh, well, Ford is saying that we could have Ford on. Um, people were asking about John Marks. Do you have a thought on John Marks leaving WIP? There was a lot of litigation on John Marks. I think you were pretty cut and, bu- cut and dry. And I obviously know like everything that happened, you know, because you're so plugged in with that stuff. But like WIP didn't want to give him a raise. So he left. WIP fired him, blah, blah, blah. Mm. People, it was, uh, I mean, Kev, I'll, t- I'll back Kev's story up. It was legitimately that, like, I think he might have been tired of the callers and he was tired of not seeing his family and he was tired of, like, the rat race maybe of of uh, of, of of sports radio. All things that you speculated on, I would say that's probably all right. Like, yeah, he didn't get no, he didn't get fired. Like, and and both sides will tell you that straight up. I mean, they had uh, for, first of all, like, first and first, when your show is doing like a 19 share, nobody gets fired. Right. Uh, it's, you know, uh, it, it would be like uh, firing uh, John Tortorella right now. Yeah. F- firing Howard Stern. Right. Like firing the number one. Because people realize, right, that Marks and Reese was the, was battling for number one and two book after book after book with the WIP morning show. Marks and Reese was a juggernaut. It was like one of the largest, you know, shows, whatever. Right. So, John, you know, they, they, trying to think about what I can say and what I can't say and what I should save for a story and, and not for a story. But they, they, you know, there were discussions about it. And, um, you know, he, he, he was on a one year deal this year He's on like a bridge deal and just couldn't really agree to it. So he was just like, well, you know, I'm going to go do something else, you know? So, and any other stuff about the family is true. You know, he's got three girls. He lives up, he lives out here, like in a uh, collegeville area. So, you know, you're driving, down yeah. to um you know driving down to friggin 2400 market can we know. do can we can we it was funny that he was like i want to get home earlier and like he's like i get home at 7 30 now and it's like you just think about like your truck drivers your nurses your doctors and everything no, we're working like 12 hour shifts and you're like i work four hours a week or i work four hours a day i need to be home by 7 30 i mean that made me chuckle maybe i have a sadistic yeah. uh humor but well, I know, I know. Well, everybody's got their own problems. You know, some people's problems are here. Some people's problems are up here. You know, I get it. You know, when I was working 1 a.m. to 9 a.m., I was getting home at 10 a.m., you know? So, right. I mean, everybody's a different kind of thing. I know it's just, it takes a lot of like cojones to walk away from that, you know? Um, you know, and, you know, maybe he thought he deserved more money. I mean, I don't know exactly how contract negotiations went um, between him and Odyssey. I think one thing that we've been able to figure out with Odyssey, though, is that 
you know, when they kind of redid the WIP lineup, there's a lot of internal shuffling. You know, they moved the midday show to the mornings. They brought in Hugh Douglas, but Hugh was already working at another Odyssey station. They elevated Joe Giulio. They haven't really made any external hires and they aren't paying out a ton of I mean, they save the money on Angelo not being there. Right. So I don't think that I think the days of you know, WIP paying these guys a ton of money, I don't think I think those are over, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, because people say, well, why didn't, why didn't John just go to middays? Why don't they just move him to middays? Well, I, you know, and then it changes a lot of stuff, too. I mean, does Ike go with him? You know, that show has really good chemistry. I mean, you can have whatever opinion you want to have about Marks and Reese, but they flow like no other show on. And then Jack show. goes right into Philly's story. Jack, Philly season and yeah. 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 So that's a big deal. I mean, I mean, because people don't walk away on top. I mean, you know, it'd be like, yeah. um, you know, Bryce Harper deciding to retire like right now. You know, I mean, you've. Well, I mean, yeah, and 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 Nat's right. It's like you know, if there's something admirable about saying we've we're kind of at the top, we've achieved it. There's really nothing more to accomplish. You know, it's like a musician like releasing four great albums and they're like, all right, we're done, versus releasing like three shitty ones. Or like Tony Ferguson in UFC going twelve and zero and then going zero and seven would have been better to go out at twelve and one than twelve and seven every last five years or whatever. You know, so like Elaine Carter Four retired, then came back. Yeah. Made some shitty albums after. Besides no yeah. ceiling. So I don't know. John's uh, you know, John has some irons in the fire and I'm I'm sure there'll be a you know new job announcement sometime soon. But uh I don't know. I, I can only speak for myself. Like if I had to talk to like Ingy and Mad Mike and all them every single day, I'd be like, holy fucking shit. You know, I can't like how do they, how do they do that four hours a day? Blow well, my brain's out. Talking about the same Eagles topics, talking to the same people. Like that's gotta wear on you, you know. I, I uh, love Ford, but man, could you imagine talking to Ford for for two hours a week because of calls? Well and you know it's funny too is I was doing the story about the you guy got Mad Mike. Talk about the guy who's fallen asleep, who fell asleep on the morning show. It cut off the audio that I cut cut off right before the camera says, "All right, let's go to Chuck from Mount Airy." You know, he was the next next caller up in the queue, and I was like, "Oh, shit, you know." And then Seth Joyner, they came up, and I stopped listening. You know, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. It's interesting. Like Fanatic could go after John PHLY is in play. You know, like right, we would think because Gargano knows John from their ninety seven five days. But I don't. I don't know. Maybe John wants to go spin classic rock hits with pierre robert i don't i don't really know you know one, and of the, one of the most happy people i've ever met andre gardner and guess what that guy did he spun records and he loved the beatles and that's what he dedicated his life to yeah. and you know what he was happy as shit happy as a pig and shit and that's kind well, of sounds like a nice gig when i came back uh, you know to um to philly you know spike eskin was spinning like rat tunes on ysp i would have loved to do that you know Here's round and round, and then we're gonna play Metallica, and like I would love that job. You know what I'm saying? I would have snuck in like a Judas Priest on vinyl or something every so often, but I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I just it's very repetitive though. It's very formulaic. I think that's a tough thing. Those guys got to do 20 hours a week, 20 hours talking about the same shit, 20 hours of playing the hits. That's like the sports equivalent of like having to listen to Led Zeppelin for two hours every day. You know. I like Zeppelin, but not that much. I like the Eagles, but not so much. That I want to yell about them, you know, 20 hours a week. I mean, you and I do two hours of the show, two and a half hours of the show this week. I'm like, no. talked about everything there is to talk about the Eagles. I don't have to like talk about it anymore. I mean, holy shit, they're going to be on like day two today or week three of lamenting, you know, is this team cooked or not? That's got to go to your head. I can't imagine talking about the same thing just over and over and over. And over. Philly fan, by the way, really wants us to talk about the fly. He does. And he yeah. deserves it because they're yeah. a fucking wagon right now. 
Yeah. So let's talk a little bit of Flyers. Let's give our opinion on the Flyers. Are you a Bobby Brink guy? Are you a Ryan Palin guy who I just found out who that was? He had two goals last night. <laughs> Travis Konechny's chirping people saying, thanks, buddy, who turned it over in the zone. Beat the Giants or beat the beat the fucking Devils. Beat the New York, yeah, yeah, New, Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey Devils. New Jersey this is why Devils. we don't talk hockey, Philly fan. We don't know what the yeah. hell we're talking about. But, but, anyway, but, uh, but, here's, but here's a real question about that. For people like us who aren't who haven't got back on the bandwagon yet, we're paying attention, but we're not fully paying attention. I, I here's 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 my like not plea ask demand. Mm-hmm. I'm not demanding anything. Here's what I think you should do with the Flyers. Try to watch them. Try to just enjoy them without what without thinking about are they winning too many games or are they too far ahead in the rebuild or are they whatever. Try to watch them. Winning too many games doesn't work in the NHL because it's like the NHL, anyone can catch fire and win. We've seen it time and time again. Well, in the, in that's the playoffs. true. I mean, and look at the Bruins last year. I mean, the Bruins got bounced right. by the too much. Right. So, so I, I, we can ask all those questions. We will ask all those questions. To me, one of the most entertaining Philadelphia 76ers seasons of the last 15 years was 2016, 2017 where you knew that they were kind of like moving in the rebuild. They had some talent there. It was fun to watch Joel Embiid, but they didn't have expectations, right? So so watch it. Watch the games. See what Bobby Brink is doing. See what how Carter Hart's playing and Sam Erson. And, and look at it and just try to enjoy these guys in a vacuum without always having to, without always having to add the caveat of like, well, are they winning too much or should they are they a cup contender? Are they going to end up in purgatory? I don't know. We worry about that later. Let Anthony and Russ and Bundy talk about all that shit and have the big discussion. Like, but in, in the moment, like, hey, here's some young guys that are playing well. Let's try to identify some things to enjoy and look and look towards the future with that. You know what I mean? Is there a goalie controversy in Philadelphia? Sam I'm playing pretty well. Do you sell do you sell uh Carter Hart for parts right now? First rounder, maybe uh well, I, you know, is like stupid hockey Canada thing is sitting there. It's like, you, you know, you can't really answer that question, but like they do. Uh, yes. When is the last time the Flyers have had any uh, not one decent goaltender, let alone two? Bobrovsky and Brzgala for like half a season. For half a season. Traded Bob and got his ass out here and then he won the Venzina. Venzina. Yeah. Well, well, I, I don't. I, yeah. The Vezina. They they. um what is this from, Craig? Is this from from an Anthony story? Oh, this is from Anthony's story that he wrote about. Yes, yeah, so back up in name only, Sam Erson, blah, blah, blah. Okay, this is from a weekend. Uh, what's most impressive about Erson is how he overcame uh, some early season struggles. He was admittedly not good in his first two starts. In the nine starts since, he is 7-1-1 with a 1.84 goals against average and a 9.30 save percentage. Uh, John Tortorella saying it was tough sledding for him a bit there, and he readily admitted it. But that's what I like about Sam. I remember listening to him when he had some struggles and he knew that he needed to be better. He knew he was better. Did we talk about me going down to see um, Russ and, and them the other night? No, you're, you're on Snow the Goalie? Yeah. Okay. So we recorded that was on Thursday. So we, and then we talked about, I don't know if we talked about it on Monday, but the, the vibes in in the building are, are noticeable, mm. noticeably different. Um, it they just it was like people gave a shit people like people could feel that it was almost like when they, when they when they moved on and they changed the verbiage they were using from aggressive retool to telling everybody like straight up we're in a rebuild 
that that's what clicked because it's like okay i can get on board with the new regime admitting that this is where they are now you know there was a little bit of maybe denial of that last year and so people weren't you know the vibe was shit because it's like you like the fans were almost like waiting for them to admit what everybody already knew right that this team isn't this team isn't doing anything right now so tell everybody that the retool is over you're in full rebuild mode then we'll jump on the rebuild wagon with you you know um so i so i you know it's funny because i you know keith jones was down there walking around um the concourse pat gallon was down there doing like a live shot with him or whatever so i went around i said hey and then uh keith jones was like mobbed by people there was a line of like 14 people waiting to talk to jones you would have thought he was a celebrity Mm -hmm. but that's all it took right i mean just new era of orange kev yeah I mean, people are in color orange, but just a new era of orange. We're in well, our orange era. Shout out to T Swift. There was one woman who came over and was talking to Pat mostly and said, you know, we got to get back to old school flyers hockey. And, you know, you're kind of like laughing or whatever. I mean, so you do still have some, there, there are some of those fans who are out there and there's some fans who think they're a cup contender this year. They're not a cup contender this year, but you but the but the but, balls. The, but the atmosphere is so much better down there and you get the sense that there's something like like real about it not not just regular not your typical flyers over enthusiastic stepford fan and stepford media like legitimate change in the vibes because of the change in the regime and that the thought that like comcast is you know doesn't is isn't in on it like they used to be you know flyers fans are eagles fans in my opinion just a, a smaller um substack of uh of people just a smaller you know, people like people. There are people out there, which is crazy to think about, that are only Flyers fans. And when they lose, the sky is falling. And when they go on a run, it's just it's the it's the cocky and distraught meme. Flyer fans are the same exact way. Yeah, yeah. I do. Think, I do. I, I do think that's why I've always said that I find the four for four thing to be bullshit. Because while I do think there are a lot of people who would like to see all the four teams do well, I guarantee you that the majority of like people who have the Sixers as their number one team. And the majority of the people who have the Flyers as their number one team, I don't think those people give much of a flying shit about the other winter sport. How many diehard Sixers fans do you know care about the Flyers? And how many diehard Flyers fans do you know that care about the Sixers? I think that's an under like talked, under talked about, under reported, represented kind of thing. Flyers fans are Flyers through and through, you know? Probably Eagles fans too. Maybe some Phillies. I don't think I don't think the majority of Flyers fans really give a shit about the Sixers. I don't think the majority of Sixers fans give a shit about the Flyers. I think that's where the least amount of crossover is in Philly sports. So I think because of that, I think Fly- I think Flyers fans are kind of, you know, on a on an island a little bit. As T says, it's Eagles one, Flyers two. I don't give a fuck about the Sixers. There you go. Okay, so T is kind of helping helping me out with that. But I oh, I don't know what else to say. I don't know how else to like convey it other than saying like it was like palpable. Like you feel like something was different in that in that building. And like they've got Bundy and and uh, Russ and Ant up on the up on the balcony there where like the sports book is and uh, the, the whatever row it's, what is it called? The assembly room revolutionary row and all that stuff. Uh, that place was packed for just a random game against the Capitals last Thursday. Nice um, you know, and the Wells Fargo center looks great. Like I think the upgrades are great. Uh, so, I mean, it'll come together quickly for, for the, the flyers because the fans seems like the fans are on, are on board, you know, mm-hmm. can we do hey, a little local high. news segment? Sure. Before we get out of here, sure. Comcast hacked 
guess how many customers Comcast has? Um, how many customers Comcast mm-hmm. has in this region or like everywhere? Everywhere. Um, probably 75 million. 36 million. Okay. Not bad guess. Right. Guess how many people's information was stolen? 36 million. 36 million people, every single solitary customer of Comcast had their information stolen. I don't know how this isn't a bigger story. Usernames, passwords, credit card info, where your grandmother lives, what's her social security number. I actually, it's funny, I guess I was involved in this because I I have Comcast. I'm one of the last ones holding out, I guess, to go to uh, digital cable or streaming, whatever the hell they call it. I woke up uh, over the weekend, thousand dollars in in uh, Ticketmaster tickets spent on my credit card. So I guess credit card that's obviously on the Comcast account. Thanks Comcast nice. for waiting two months to uh, nice. to report this. I'm glad uh, my bill just went up while you're not patching security over there. But Comcast, thirty six million. I mean that's unprecedented stuff. Usually it's like oh you know twenty percent of our customer base had their information stolen. One hundred percent of the customers' information was stolen. Insane. So you're going to get the class out. You're going to get this little card like I did. Oh, what'd you get that for? What are you in a class action for? Yeah, class action settlement. Um, It's for Horizon Actuarial. Uh, mm. Horizon what Actuarial they do? Services. I don't know, honestly, but I asked for my $50 or whatever it is. So. Oh, I got $100 from Uber one time. And then uh, I know I know Google, I think, is in an antitrust lawsuit right now. It's like $630 million. And I think like 110 million people can get in on it. So check your uh, check your rights, people. I think that what's that come out to $6 a person? Yeah, it says under the settlement, Horizon has agreed to pay $8.7 million into a settlement fund that can be distributed to class members. Blah, blah, blah. They were asking all this stuff, you know, when you fill out the form, like, you know, did you lose time? Uh, that's what they get you when they when they put a form in front of you and they make you fill out something. That's yeah. when you're like, well, is this $50 really, really worth it? I didn't fill out anything for the Uber one. A check just ended up in my mail. I don't know what I did to deserve it. I was never in a class action lawsuit against Uber. I think I did drive twice in my life for Uber. Uh, so that's what I think I was a part of. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. You worked at Comcast. I did. You quiet quit and hid in the cafeteria, right? But enjoyed it. Why Why do you p- pay for their service? Like, wouldn't you be a Fios guy or something? Wouldn't you be like a fuck Comcast? No, I enjoyed my time there. Yeah. I didn't enjoy the work I was doing, but I enjoyed my time there. And also because like, I don't know, I'm, I, I can't get on board with the YouTube TV stuff. I can't be a minute 30 behind. Right now, we already talked about it. Again, during the game. My notifications went off. Jake Elliott kicks a field goal before it even shows it on the screen. Well, like, and here's but with the with the asterisk on that of saying like you're doing social for true. accounts. So there's a practical consideration, work consideration to be had there. Also, with all this streaming and shit and all these different add-ons like Netflix and Hulu and Max and Apple TV, are we really saving that much more money? Like my bill's probably 200 a month now. Am I saving that much if I if I go yeah. to YouTube TV and I put on all the bundles? Yeah, but here, but that's the thing is you have more, you know, options in like the a la carte sense where you know we have YouTube TV. It's cheaper than Fires or Comcast mm-hmm. or whatever. But I don't need. I you know I've added Disney, Hulu, ESPN, Apple, Peacock. Max, whatever the fuck else we're paying for, right? But uh, but I can I have more flexibility in whether I want that stuff or not. I mean, you remember what cable was like 15 years ago? It's like you're going to get a million channels 
whether you like it or not. And there was no, I remember John McCain, I, I want to say, proposed some legislation where it was like, let people choose what channels they want to watch. That's what it should be. Yeah. So they just didn't wrap like Bumblefuck TV in there and give them their carrier fee or, or whatever, you know, because it was like, I'm watching three channels here. Why am I paying for 100? And I still needed to pay the extra money to watch like Fox Soccer Channel or something on top of the 3,000 channels I already had. Oh, if I was a soccer fan, I'd go nuts with this MLS deal on Apple. Like that's just a whole nother thing. Like even if uh, if you're if you're a sports fan and and God forbid you're in the uh, you're in the NFL game, uh, that's only exclusively on Peacock. Could you imagine that? Like, oh, now I got to go pay for Peacock. Like I would be pissed. It's coming. It's coming, man. Everybody's got to just brace brace for it because it's coming. The NBA will be like the first to, or not the NBA, but like the local. You know, I can see at some point in the near future that NBC Sports Philadelphia ceases programming entirely and just puts all their offerings on like Peacock or something. So you're watching the Sixers on Peacock, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. and, and you can decide if you, so, but think about it that way. Like if you're a Sixers fan, then you don't have to pay for, if you've all you want to watch is the Sixers or whatever, all you need is a Peacock subscription, you know? So again, it's like, it's, it's, I'll use a word that's not a word, but you know, Sam Hinkie and Daryl Moore use it anyway. Optionality. Right, you're giving people like more of a more of a the ability to kind of curate their own viewing experience or purchase their a la carte apps and whatnot, so we don't have to pay two hundred dollars a month for FiOS to get like the Travel Channel and all this stuff that we're not going to use, you know. So it's MLS that I don't like the Apple TV thing is it's a double paywall, but I think they're ahead of the curve in trying this stuff, and I think the other leagues will probably get there at some point. Got NFL games on fucking Amazon Prime right now. Yeah. So. The machete wielding guy in Pennypack Park in the Northeast was apprehended. Did you see that man? Yeah. He was wreaking havoc all over the Northeast. Yeah. Crazy thing about it is he's got DNA linked to being the Fairmount rapist from right. 2003. Yeah. Anybody, I don't know how old people are listening to this. The Fairmount rapist captivated the entire nation, not only just the Delaware Valley. Like this guy could never be apprehended. And now this whole time he was just living in Pennypack Park. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I, I, I remember that story. I wasn't back here working in the news at that point, but um, I was 10. It's, yeah. Yeah, it was huge back then. It was huge. It was, it was funny. The one, uh, the one guy who used to run the SVU clinic or the unit, I guess, for the Philadelphia Police Department, mm-hmm. he was uh, at the, at the, um, at the, the press conference for it and everything. And I was just like, that's like Donovan McNabb coming to the Super Bowl parade because he couldn't yeah. get it done in 2004. <laughs> so he's going to celebrate with Nick Foles and, and Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been crazy. There was a lot of, there's been a lot of like stuff in the news. I mean, that action news helicopter crash, oh. crazy, man. Like what a sad story. That a sad story. That was that they were coming back from the shore. They're just doing an assignment at the shore. Um, Dude, you, you'll never catch me in a helicopter. No, nah, I don't know if I'm not nah, all about I don't that. Trust hel- I don't like, I don't, I don't love flying, let alone helicopters. Um. Yes, I, I I would not be interested in going and flying on one of those. There were some Sixers Arena developments that were in yeah. the news too. Um, yeah, what are they to- saying over there? Because now Ingra now Ingra Safran is getting into into the mud with everything. She's, she's going down. Mud, to she's been in the mud with it for a while. Yeah, I feel like she hasn't been one of the ones that has like been you know her, that she hasn't risen to the top. It's been a couple of different activists. It's been a couple of different writers from. Uh, from the inky on both sides, Daniel Pearson on the one side. I forget the one woman that you quoted in the story on the other side. And now Ingra's going to Boston. 
She's going to Boston when there's not even a Celtics game going on, saying how dead the place is and everything. Now we're just getting, you know, I, I, I guess the vote's coming up because the release of the uh, city uh, like impact study or whatever they're calling it, that's supposed to come out soon. Um, like any, any minute now, really. But yeah, Inga Saffron from the Inquirer, she's like the architecture uh, writer or critic. Buildings matter too. Yeah, she was in the Buildings Matter too thing. Although that was, she didn't have anything to do. You know what's, uh, you know what the, the funniest thing about the Buildings Matter too story was was that I read that whole story and it was a good story. Um, yeah, and it, it just the headline just killed them and just turned into the Inquirer melting down and everybody revolted. You know, so go figure. But uh, she's the architecture critic, so yeah, like she went up to Boston to check out the TD Garden because the Sixers have used that kind of as like a de facto comparison to what Seventy Six Place would be. Like. But she went up there on a day when there was no game. So how do you how do you how do you get the full experience? Get any kind of experience? You got the experience of what it's like when there's not a game there, which is important. Yeah. But you can't write a complete story on that unless you're going to see. Oh, here's what it looks like when there is a game. So that was fugazi. I don't get that. Me at and all. Craig went down there during the uh, Sixers Celtics playoffs last year. It was awesome down there. I yeah. love it down there. Well, for people who haven't, so for people who haven't been there, what's it like? It's like a downtown arena where there's like bars that just line the street. There's like different, um, different restaurants and everything all built into like this massive arena. The, um, the subway lets you off underneath. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's this. this, When you were filming this, uh, video, this was, that's the arena right there. That's the arena right there. Okay, so it's on. I've been to Boston once. It's on kind of like the uh, the edge of uh, the North End, where the uh, like the historic district kind of. There's like a million Italian restaurants there, or whatever. But yeah, it felt like kind of. And I drove. I drove by it, but it felt down. Uh, felt downtownish enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because that was one of the things in her story that she kind of disputed. Said it's not downtown. Well, I don't. I mean, there. I guess somebody in Boston would have to tell us what counts as downtown and what doesn't. I think we're kind of splitting hairs with that. But they're coming up on a – like Mark Squilla, who we had on the show, I guess, last year, right? He's been on record saying he hasn't been lobbied as hard as he has. This is the hardest he's been lobbied on any story in his entire life. And, you know, Chinatown's appealing with some right-to-know filings that were denied, and they're trying to get the email communications that involve the Sixers in the city. And – uh you know, I just I keep going back to what I said like a couple months ago, or whatever. I just think the Sixers have union labor, union labor backed the incoming mayor, and I think there's nothing more powerful in Philadelphia politics than organized um, Democrat union labor. And so, to me, if they have them on their side, it feels like it's just an inevitability, um, unless there's some crazy thing that happens or something turns up in the city report that's non-negotiable or whatever. But it's it feels like there's a lot more momentum. Yeah, I don't. I just don't think Sheryl Parker's first move is going to take one and a half billion dollars in, in investment from the city and and into the labor unions' pockets and stuff. I just don't think that's how she wants to to start her uh, her mayorship. She doesn't want to start it by taking. You say she doesn't. She doesn't want she to. Doesn't do want to uh, taking a one and a half billion revenue stream into the city. She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to like put the kibosh on that. Yeah. Um... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Like, look, man, it's just hard to say, like, you got some people who are willing to put one point five billion dollars into the city of their own money. I mean, it's it's hard to say no. To, it's hard to say no to that, you know. But uh, they have this thing in uh, not to get too deep into it. But they have this thing in Philadelphia called council manic prerogative. Mm-hmm. Where basically these, these big like votes and items or whatever are introduced singularly by a council member. So it's like this is Mark Squilla. Like Mark Squilla has got a 
put it before the rest of the council, right? It's then, then it becomes a group effort, but he's the one who decides whether to introduce it or not introduce it, you know? So this dude's probably, all of his hair is probably gray. Now. Do we have a ballpark of when we're going to get an answer? Because it feels like it's been going on forever. Uh, Well, I think when the impact study comes out, they'll have enough there to where Squilla will be able to say, all right, what does the community think about this? And then we're either going to introduce it or not introduce it to council, you know, and then it goes through like multiple council votes and all that. But it's all, it's all, you know, he, they won't introduce it or they will, everybody will know like how they're voting before it even gets introduced, you know? So could you ballpark a time when people should know when we think we'll know Q Q1 2024. Oh, okay. So maybe the next three months. I think so. Yeah. Cause the study should be done soon. So, and you know, Priya filed for bankruptcy again on the mall. Yeah, uh, Priyat is the owner of the fashion district. So, yep. um, Philly fan wants to know. I don't have an answer to this question. What's the show schedule next week? Are we doing a show next week? Did the we're not doing a show on Monday? I'll tell you that. Um, we will be working on Monday though uh, for the uh, the Eagles Giants game. Um, I think it'll just be Wednesday next week. Just Wednesday. All right. Yep. We'll do just Wednesday. Yep. Uh, we'll do well. Fuck. I mean, if the Eagles lose. <laughs> We should really do a show on Tuesday. I don't want to. Yeah, if they do it, I don't want to do another Eagles lose show. You know, it sucks. It that's sucks. Another, I don't really have anything more to say. I don't. You know, I yeah. I could never do sports talk radio because pragmatism doesn't work on the radio. Anymore. I, I'll tell you what. This is this is my thought on the Eagles. They're going to hang the banner. They're going to hang an NFC East banner for 2023, and we're going to hate this team. It'll always be a team that we hate. That's what I think. 13 and four with wins against the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Cowboys. It's it's name a Sixers team in the last that that Sixers team that went number one in the uh in the conference that one year and then lost in the second round. I think we're gonna look back on it. Mm. Yeah, I, I know it's all it's all relative, right? It's all gotta be relative to expectations. So I get it. I get why people think that way. I just I don't know. I did five years ago I watched a team with a backup quarterback. Uh, be an underdog on their home field and win it all. So, yeah. Stranger things have happened. Anything else in your local hey. news circuit? La Colombe sells for $900 million to Chobani, supports small business. Um, Chobani, the yogurt guy? Chobani. The yogurt people? Yeah. Mm. Now the uh, chat is trying to uh, engineer a T from the 203 and Ford uh, show. I guess. Well, I guess that's time to when you know you should call it today. Yeah. Yeah, that's that means- we know we've jumped the shark and it's probably time to log off at this point. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, hey, everybody. Uh, Keith from North Penn now for coming yeah. on. Appreciate Keith for coming on. Everybody, you have a great Christmas. We appreciate all our loyal listeners uh, who tuned in today and beyond and in the past. Uh, whether it's a Hanukkah and you just had eight crazy nights, whether it's Christmas on Monday, or whether it's a nice little Kwanzaa, you have a good holiday.